Hello, and welcome to the Dorkening Podcast Network. Press pound to hear the available shows. That Strange Show, Throwdown Thursday, Loose Cannon with Jar Jar Jeremy, Three Guys That Horror, the new and improved Super Retro Throwback Reviews The Audio Files 2.0. This is probably one of Dwayne's worst films. Yeah, he's allowed to have a tooth fairy every now and then, sure. Yeah, this is a tooth fairy and then some, because it does not show the monsters tearing up buildings until the last 20 minutes of the movie. That's what the game is. It's fucking monsters tearing up a a fucking city. Secret Underground Hideout. Cinema with Harrison Smith. Dorks the Podcast. The Dorkening. Black and White Fright. The Wicked Horror Show. Subscribe to all these awesome shows anywhere podcasts can be found. For more information, check out thedorkening.com. In the 18th century in Central Europe, a black terror swept across the face of the land. The curse of vampirism, which had been a half-forgotten memory for hundreds of years, returned with a fury that struck unholy fear into the hearts of every man, woman, and child. One man dared to make a stand against this evil epidemic. One man dared to hurl a challenge of cold steel against the terror of the undead. He was Captain Kronos, Vampire Hunter. It is commonly supposed that a vampire attacks in only one way, by biting the neck and draining the victim of blood. Girls you spoke of. They were not trained of blood, but of youth, of life itself. You see? He's been bitten on the mouth. God's sake, I survived the vampire's bite if he is not the man you are. I'm doomed. My soul will never end in torment. Another exciting episode of Boobs, Blood, and Badasses, the Hammer Horror Podcast, part of the Dorkening Network. I am your host, Dr. Chris. And I'm your co-host, Ro Lauren. And tonight we are discussing Captain Kronos Vampire Hunter, which is happens to be my favorite Hammer movie of all time. It actually replaced uh, Horror of Dracula after I saw it. I was like, this is pretty awesome. It's definitely one of the most interesting out of all of them. 
Yes, it absolutely is. It's definitely this grandiose swashbuckling vampire movie, which is fantastic and I absolutely love. Such an interesting mix of um, like your typical hammer horror stuff and then action swashbuckling hero movie. Correct. Absolutely. And um, it's one of the few Hammer properties that still is putting out media as of today, which we will get to at the very end of the podcast. Um, we don't have, like, Dracula or Frankenstein uh, merchandise or media being put out, but Captain Crota's Vampire Hunter in the last ten years has had two things added to its uh, catalog of continued media or promotional... Uh, um, not promotional items, but um, uh, items you can buy that are connected to the movie in some way. Uh, did you know there was a Captain Chronos novel and Captain Chronos comic book series? I knew about the comic book series. I did not know about the novel. Yeah, the novel's just called Chronos, and then the Captain Chronos comic book series actually acts as a sequel to the movie. Yeah, isn't there? There's two of them, isn't there? There's an adaptation of the movie, and then there's the uh, an actual sequel to the movie. Okay, yeah. Yeah, which came <laughs> out just a few years ago, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's awesome. But Roe has the plot synopsis for us for Dr. Chris's favorite Hammer movie. I do. So, Captain Kronos Vampire Hunter was originally released on April 7th, 1974, directed by Brian Clemens, and our film begins with two young girls in the woods primping themselves with a handheld mirror, when one of the girls sees a cloaked figure in the reflection. She is then grabbed by the figure and turned into an old woman and dies. Then, after the title... Our story follows the journey of Captain Kronos, Horst Jensen, a professional vampire hunter, and his hunchback partner, Ghost, John Cater, as they ride through the land and defeat evil. They stop on their way to rescue a beautiful woman, Carla, Caroline Monroe, from the stockades for dancing on a Sunday. Many young girls are being drained of their youth and dying. So Dr. Marcus, John Carson, sends for the help of Captain Kronos. Another woman is killed in the woods, and Kronos and the professor stop to talk to a witness. Their investigation brings them to a tavern in the next town over, where a swordsman named Caro, Ian Hendry, insults them and draws a sword on Kronos. Kronos defeats them swiftly with his superior swordsmanship. Meanwhile, Dr. Marcus goes to visit the Durward Mansion, where Paul, Shane Bryant, and Sarah, Louis da Louise Dane, live with Lady Durward, Wanda Ventham, their mother who has been grieving since the death of her husband from a plague once treated by Marcus, Marcus seven years ago. The doctor realizes something feels wrong and leaves in a hurry. Riding away from the Durward Mansion, Marcus meets up with the cloaked figure, and is turned into a vampire, but only realizes this once he looks younger and has fangs. Kronos, meanwhile, Kronos reveals that he had to kill his mother and younger sister once he returned from the war, as they became vampires in his absence, even having survived a vampire bite himself. When Marcus returns, he begs Kronos to kill him. Kronos tries staking him in the heart and hanging him, but neither work. Once pierced by a small cross made of steel, Marcus reverts to his old self and dies. Soon after, Grost creates a steel sword shaped and shapes the hilt like a cross, and he and Kronos go back into the woods in search of the empire. A coach goes by and Grost tosses a dead toad under it. After the coach passes over it, the toad is alive. 
proof that a vampire is in the Durwood coach. Posing as bait, Carla wanders up the Durwood mansion and pretends to faint to get inside. Later, as she sleeps by the fireplace, she is approached by a woman and mesmerized by her. It is Lady Durward who reveals that she is the Costine by birth and that Lord Durward, Liam Hobbs, has been reawakened. Lady Durward offers Carla's youth to him, but Kronos intervenes and deflects Lady Durward's gaze back at her using the sword. Lord Durward and Kronos sword fight, but Kronos drops his cross sword. Grost is able to throw it back to him just in time, and Kronos kills Lord Durwood. Lady Durwood awakens from her uh, awakens from her hypnosis and tries to attack and kill Kronos, but he swiftly kills her. Kronos and Grost then ride off to go anywhere, everywhere, wherever there is evil to be fought, and leave Carla behind. Which then the comic book? There's a story missing between the movie and the comic book, but we'll get to it. <laughs> Because Carla is with them in the comic book. Yeah. <laughs> and she is like, Kronos' apprentice. <laughs> yeah, it's like, what the fuck? Why are we leaving Carla? <laughs> <sighs> Why are you leaving Carolyn Monroe? <laughs> yeah, like, are you stupid? <laughs> you know what I just watched this past weekend on Joe Bob Briggs' uh, The Last Drive-In? What? Maniac, starring Carolyn oh. Monroe. <laughs> I love that movie. Yeah, she's in that movie. And I have never seen that, and I had never seen uh, the remake with uh, Elijah Wood, which I heard is also very good. Oh, I haven't seen the remake either, but I love Elijah Wood, so I'm up for that. (laughs) So we start the movie off with two girls in the woods, very young, very pretty, and they get uh, their youth sapped out of them. Are you a vain creature, Ro? What would happen if you had your youth sucked out of you? I'd probably be out of a job. <laughs> but you can still graphic design. Well, I mean, your graphic design yeah. work is not based on your good looks. This is true. Uh, I'd be out of a one one job. But uh, yeah, I would say I'm, I've become pretty vain. I, <laughs> um, I mean, like it took it took me a really long time. Uh, but I'm always like the uh, now I'm like I t- with that scene was happening. I was like, fuck. I would so do that. Because I'm like that person that if I'm passing a mirror, I always have to like check my hair and shit. I'm like, do I look okay right now? So yeah, that would, I'd be totally a victim for that shit. What are the names of the two girls? Because on IMDb, they're not listed in the credits unless they're listed with their names. But I don't know uh, what the names of the girls are. I thought uh, the two opening girls, I one is Anna, but I don't know what the other one is. Okay. I cannot remember the other. There's an Anna and an Isabella, but I think Isabella is a different girl. There's no Anna or okay. There is an Isabella Sorel, and then there's yes. Barton Sorel, but I think that's two different people, though. Yeah, I think Isabella is uh, one of the other girls who gets killed, but oh. not one of those two two girls from the beginning. But I think Anna is one of the girls from the beginning. Okay, but we don't get anybody. We don't get those names of those two, so. No, I had I tried to find it too, and I couldn't. <laughs> did you um? Did you know that they wanted Captain Kronos to be a time traveler movie? Oh my god! I actually that makes sense because his Kronos. name is Kronos, and they yes. wanted him to go around to different eras of history to kill vampires. And in the sequel, he would have gone up against Christopher Lee's Dracula. Oh, that'd have been amazing. They would have lured Christopher Lee back one last time to have Kronos fight Dracula. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, but unfortunately it didn't happen. The budget of this movie is insanely low for a Hammer movie. $400,000. That's nothing. That is crazy (laughs) low. Some of the other movies cost almost a million dollars. Yeah. 
which is still nothing in terms of film, but... Uh, well, the 70s, the 60s, camera. the 50s, yeah, I mean, that's... Yeah. So, Kronos is played by uh, an actor named Horst Jansen, who I'm not too familiar with, but during the commentary with the historian on the Scream Factory Blu-ray, do you know what our, our, our great... Who's, by the way, still alive today, who was born in 1935, but uh, do you know what Horst Jansen did in uh, the late uh, 30s, early 40s? No. He was a child of the Nazis. Well, I knew that he was German. Yep. Because I read that they had to dub over all his lines because his German accent was too thick. So, yeah. um, If you watch the movie Jojo Rabbit, uh, and that's a great explanation of what type of uh, student of the Nazis that uh, Horst was. This is not to peg him as being a Nazi, but if you were a child being raised in World War II Germany under the rule of Adolf Hitler, this is unfortunately the kind of uh, a schooling and tutelage that you were given, very similar to the events that are seen in the Taika Waititi movie, uh, Jojo Rabbit, which if you haven't seen, I highly freaking recommend. Oh, it is but it is sweet it is funny when it needs to be and it is it is it is horrifying when it needs to be it does mm-hmm. not make light of what the horrors of world war 2 were except for in the ways that you've seen in the trailer that made that movie what it is if anybody could do that it was taika watiti oh god yeah so, he's a genius <laughs> he's a he's an absolute genius and what uh, do you know what uh, do you know what franchise he was just handed on a silver platter I just read this on Twitter yesterday, and now I can't Star remember. Wars. Ah. Well, maybe Star Wars will stop sucking huge dicks for a minute. Whoa! Mandalorian uh, and Clone <laughs> Wars has been amazing. Okay. Yes, they have. But the main entry movies have been disappointment after okay, yes. fucking disappointment, yes, in my, yes. my opinion. With the exception, of, I, the exception of Rogue One. Yeah, I'm an elitist asshole, and uh, yeah, I would love to see him uh, put together a main a main film entry. But <laughs> by the way, uh, uh, Horst is still working as of today, uh, as of like 2018. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, I mean, as of right now, he would be what uh, 1935, so he would be a 35 from 2020. What 85? Holy shit. Um, I have to do math in my head. Yeah, 85, yeah. He'd be 85 years old, and he is still alive. Maybe we can have him on the podcast. Oh, that I would be awesome. I doubt he can speak enough English to do the interview, though, because <laughs> most of his roles are in Germany. Ah, okay. So, um, his uh, hunchback sidekick, which is probably the best character in the whole movie. Oh, I love him. Grost is played by uh, John Cater. John Cater was a distinguished British actor who had been in the abdominal Dr. Fibes, uh, Dr. Fibes Rises Again, which also stars Carolyn Monroe. Uh, <laughs> Carolyn Monroe actually plays Vincent Price's uh, dead wife in those movies. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, and uh, apparently she's incredibly approachable at conventions and very easy to talk to and very nice to her fans. But uh, we can't awesome. get a hold of her to get her on the podcast. I send emails to that woman's website constantly asking her to come <laughs> on the show. But uh, Grost did also, the actor who played Grost, was also in uh, as several episodes of Doctor Who. He unfortunately passed away in 2009. Oh, wow. Now, what is the reason why Carolyn Monroe's character is in the stockades? She was caught dancing on a Sunday. Do you know what that reminded the me of? Whore. I thought this was a party. Let's dance! 
It makes me think of uh, the Crucible. Is it still the greatest movie of all time? I don't think it ever was. No. When I uh, heard her say that, it just made me think of the like the Crucible or really any of those kinds of like witchcraft movies or or anything from that like era. Because, you know, dancing on the sun on a Sunday is, oh, that's God's day, you little whore. Did you, uh, <laughs> did you know the line I just said, by the way, what, what movie I'm referencing when uh, somebody asks another character, uh, is it still the greatest movie of all time? I don't think it ever was. No, I don't. What were you referencing? Spi- uh, uh, Star-Lord asks Spider-Man if Footloose is still the greatest movie of all time. <laughs> 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 and Spider-Man's like, I don't think it ever was. <laughs> <laughs> you mean like Footloose? Exactly like Footloose. <laughs> because Mantis brings up Kevin Bacon. Is he also yeah. part of the Avengers? And Thor is just like, I think he might have joined the team at some point when I wasn't there, maybe. <laughs> I love Kevin Bacon. Oh, yeah, he is quite the treasure. So we meet the beautiful Carolyn Monroe. And then we uh, we find out she got egged and tomatoes in her hair. We've already discussed Carolyn before. She was in Dracula 1972 AD, and we will be discussing her again. As she plays a slave girl in an upcoming movie, and she looks fantastic in a like this crop top thing that just ties right below her breasts. <laughs> Unbelievably gorgeous. Every movie she's in. Yeah, she's beautiful. She's beautiful. Okay, so the birthday girl, by the way, is Isabella. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could not remember who Isabel was. I just knew she existed. <laughs> yeah, so she is the birthday girl, and then she is the next victim Yeah. of the uh, the vampire, the mystery vampire, who we don't ever get to see who it is. However, if you watch the trailer, it seems like the trailer really spoils you on the mystery of who the vampire is. I thought uh, the end of the movie tells us who the vampire is. <sighs> but if you watch the trailer before you went and saw the movie, it kind of ruins oh, it yeah. for you. Isabella... Isabella is played by uh, Susanna East, and she doesn't have a lot to her name. This was pretty much her biggest credit. Um, She had been on a couple TV series like The Rivals of Sherlock Holmes and As Girl, and (laughs) that's pretty much it. So Susan gets killed by the mystery vampire, and Kronos, the swashbuckling hero, brands all of his stuff with a giant K, very similar to to some uh, Dark Knight in Gotham City. (laughs) Yeah, I, in my notes, I was like, holy shit, this man has his own fucking logo? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, that is extra. That's some branding back in the day, let me tell you. Yeah. The it's director of the K. movie... Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was saying, it's a good it's a good logo. I liked it. That K is pretty beautiful. Yeah, it's prominent right there in the trailer when you watch the trailer for the first time. Uh, <laughs> the director, Brian Clemens, storyboarded every scene in the movie and almost did it for free because of the very low budget he had. He was a writer on a uh, little TV series in the 60s called The Avengers, which did not have Captain America, Thor, and Iron Man in it. The other Avengers? There are many. Yes, the other Avengers, which we get uh, an actor from one of the uh, from the Avengers on uh, in this movie. Oh, yeah, we'll get to him. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so okay, so they go to the girl goes to church and uh, spills wine. 
Yeah, so she goes to church to pray and then gets attacked in the church, which basically shows that the vampire cannot be repelled by the, the, the normal stuff that you would repel a vampire with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it doesn't seem like the cross or uh, crucifix symbols at all seem to work. The name of this movie should have been The Bell That Drip Blood because when they go running to the church or whatever, the bell is dripping blood. Oh, yeah, and it's a really cool little scene. <laughs> Extreme close-up on Carolyn's eyes when they hear the... Uh, when they hear the uh, the terror. And of course, Kronos and his crew show up at the town and are almost turned away by the guards, but then he meets his old friend and he welcomes him in with open arms. Yeah, and I think he has a very interesting line when they greet each other. I want to say, I wrote it down, but I might have misheard it. It sounded like he said, Marcus, you old leech lover. <laughs> uh, yeah, because I think they used le- a leeches a lot back then uh, yeah. to uh, siphon off... Um, you know, uh, diseases and other things. And they, uh, <laughs> some people would get addicted to them. Yeah. I mean, there are still people who do bloodletting with leeches these days. Um, Yikes. but I see it all the time in my weird bug groups. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, there's a scene in this movie when, uh, Kronos has leeches on his back. Right. But, uh, no. What is the name of Kronos's oh, friend? Marcus. Marcus. Oh. Yeah. Oh. By the way, so if you have the DVD of this movie, Marcus shows up, is on the cover of the DVD, not Captain Kronos for some reason. That's so weird. But the Blu-ray that I got from Scream Factory is the poster of Kronos um, with, a, with, a, with a mystery vampire bending a woman over to bite her and Captain Kronos behind him about to stab his sword into him. <laughs> that, I mean, that's a lot cooler of a cover. Yeah, definitely. I like that cover a lot more. But the one with Marcus doesn't make a lot of sense. So no. um, Marcus is played by John Carson, who died in 2016. So he lived a very long life from 1927 to 2016. Yeah. Um, and one of the last movies he was in was Doomsday. Did you ever see that movie? No, I didn't. Mm. Uh, definitely worth checking out. He was also, I believe, I want to say he almost looks very similar to the inspector from uh, V for Vendetta. That's trying to put all the pieces yes. together. I thought that was him, but I was like, no way. He would be like so old by the time Beaver Mendetta came out in 2006. Yeah. But he was on Doctor he... Who. I remember that. Oh, yeah. He had one of those faces. I was like, damn, I feel like I've seen this man somewhere before. And I felt the same way about Sarah. I thought both of those actors looked incredibly familiar. But when I was going through their filmography, I, had, I got nothing that I had personally seen. Well, we have seen him in the movie. He was Jonathan uh, Secker in Taste the Blood of Dracula. Okay, I was like, damn, where where have I seen his face? <laughs> yeah, that's that is that is where we have seen him. Car- Carolyn Monroe has a full-on nude scene but with her hair covering up her parts. And they called this Carolyn Bars because they're when she when she is not covering her hair, uh, her breasts with her hair uh, or her butt cheeks, they're like she passes in front of something that basically gives her the censorship bars. <laughs> yeah. I read that that was because she was very adamant about not doing any nude at all. Correct. And I don't, I'm not 100% positive if she ever actually did a nude scene in any movie. I'm not 100% up on Carolyn Monroe's biography. So I'm kind of rewatching her filmography while doing this podcast. So we will see her again a couple more times in the Hammer Horror podcast, but I'm not 100% positive if she's done nude before. Yeah. Um, I. I don't know. She might have done more implied things, but I don't I don't remember seeing her actual like totally nude 
because she was so against it. But who knows? Maybe what? in the future she could have done some stuff. What is your opinion of our Lannister twins in this film? <laughs> oh, well, first of all, I was excited to have another Paul. We have <laughs> a Paul again. Yes. <laughs> um, I was so thoroughly convinced that they were working together as the vampires, especially Sarah. I was like, this bitch is nuts. I was like, these people are weird. They are sus as fuck. Okay. Well, okay, so there's not a character named Paul, but the actor's name is Paul Greenwood, who plays Giles. I thought his name was Paul. No, his name is um, it's Giles and Myra. How, what the fuck? I heard Sarah and Paul. Shane Bryant is Paul Derwood. Lois Dane, and that's Sarah Derwood. Good question. Was oh, that the couple? Oh, yeah, probably. Okay, so who are the two uh, incestuous twins in this movie? One of which has a very dashing, very short, short uh, haircut for this time period. I mean, I don't know of any woman, even in like the 70s, who had a haircut that insanely short and wasn't basically making a statement about being gay. Yeah, I love... Yeah, so Sarah and Paul, which, super happy to have another Paul. Because, you know, our Hammer movies have to have Paul, mostly. But I totally fell for the setup that those two were gonna be the vampires because they were so weird they were weird with each other they like were weird to everyone else um and they both had such a interesting appearance um and like you said like i was immediately like holy shit sarah is so cool (laughs) i love her hair i loved her makeup she kind of reminded me of twiggy if you're familiar with uh the famous model from, I think, actually, that era. She might have been earlier. She might have been in the 60s. Same thing. Like, that short, cute hair, the light light color with those eyelashes that just pop. But um, I also thought that Sarah had a really interesting kind of character arc. Because I just straight up thought she was evil. But then she was just, like, really fucked up about getting old. Kind of more of that vanity thing that's prevalent through this whole film you women in your vanity (laughs) now okay so the couple that's in the woods is myra and giles and myra gets um her youth drained and then gross calls chronos to come find the new victim marcus of course thinks it's weird because they're doing what in the forest they're like making out in the forest (laughs) oh you mean what Kronos is doing? Yeah. So what? Yeah. Doing. No, I don't. Yeah, I don't care about making out in the woods. What? What is Kronos doing to try and catch a vampire? Oh, they're burying dead frogs. Which I've heard on the commentary smelled horrible because they actually got real dead frogs. No fucking way! I yeah. thought those looked great. Yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> so apparently, if a vampire crosses the dead toad, the toad comes back to life. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah, that's nude. New to me. <laughs> I had never heard that before. Me neither. He had like a little rhyme and everything. And I was like, where the fuck have you heard this, dude? I've never heard it. Okay, so one of the actors from the Avengers is Ian Henry. He played Dr. David Ke- uh, Keel. And he unfortunately died of alcohol poisoning because he was a habitual alcoholic and had a lot of problems with it. But during the filming of this scene, he was completely sober. Where he wow. fights Captain Kronos, uh, or tries to pick a fight, you know, Kronos basically takes care of them all in one quick swipe, decapitating them. Yeah, uh, that was really interesting. I really liked his character. Carol reminded me of uh, 
Kano in Mortal Kombat series. Like, he's just some asshole who likes to pick fights. Like, they're just, like, what gets him off. But he has, like, kind of a humanity to him. And I thought they were really going to be building up a little bit more. And then he just fucking dies. I mean, but I at the same time, I guess it's just a plot device to show that Kronos is quite gifted uh, with swordsmanship. So, Who is the woman in the background the entire time? The blind woman. She doesn't have a name. Oh. She's just blind. Okay, I totally forgot about her. I wrote my notes like, what? Why is there this woman? I... And then by the time that scene ended, I forgot about her completely. She was nothing. She meant nothing. Yeah. She like she had the blindfold on, and she like randomly touched her drinks sometimes. And I I was really hoping it was going somewhere, but it didn't. No, it and didn't that- go anywhere. It was really weird just to have this rando blind person. But on the commentary, the histor- the film historian talks about it's just kind of like set dressing. Oh. Okay, I was wondering if it was like, wow, this bar is just weird. Um, My notes, I had like, is this just supposed to be a tavern of weird people? Because then there's the, the, like the foppish guy who pays those dudes money and then never shows up again. Right. And it's like, who the fuck are you? Why did you randomly give them money? (laughs) Very bizarre. Yeah. Oh, okay. So I do have a note uh, from the commentary that the blind girl in the back of the bar, it's her only film credit. That's even weirder. Yeah. The the girl that they're picking on in the bar, the, the, the hooker, is mm-hmm. uh, really treated badly. Her name is Penny Price, uh, and she's listed in IMDb as whore. <laughs> oh! She was in only one other production where she played Debbie, so she actually had a name and that she wasn't just a whore. <laughs> You know, we were just talking about Maniac as well. Did you know that all the women except for Carolyn Monroe were porn stars in that movie? I Oh, that's awesome. I did and, not know that. Yeah, one of them. Um, the Okay, so in the movie, there's a character who takes a bath and then she gets killed. If you remember <laughs> that scene um, from Maniac, that woman had been in over 600 pornos. Whoa. That is that's... a lot of sex. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Seriously. More power to her. That's also, uh, maybe that's where they got the idea to do that on Game of Thrones because they said all the women who were prostitutes or sex slave workers or being raped in any way or any kind of sexual misconduct done to a woman on Game of Thrones, that, well, the exception of um, uh, the Stark daughter, um, which that really happened, you know, we, we never really saw that happen, but, um, right. but even the actress who was like, people need to get over my rape scene because did you <laughs> did you see me get raped? Because I'm pretty sure we didn't shit film it. Uh, I stood there in an ADR booth just doing the uh, going through the motions of the, the dialogue of screaming out loud. <laughs> All of the sex workers or people who were assaulted on Game of Thrones were prostitutes. Uh, sorry, uh, porn stars from Europe. The, the woman that uh, T- that uh, Tyrion Lannister was in love with, who ended up sleeping with his father, and then he ended up killing. Mm-hmm. He, I think he strangled her to death. She's like the Britney Spears of European porn. <laughs> I just think back to um, it, the uh, Return of the Living Dead. Like a lot of the the big, you know, trash who has that very amazing scene where she just strips down to nothing and then dances on top of a tombstone. Uh, Leanna Quigley, right? Yes. She, remember, so I have a whole book about, because it's one of my favorite movies of all time, but I have an entire book about how they, like, made that movie and all the background information. They had, um, 
interviewed tons of different types of women. So like actresses and also strippers and sex workers of all, all kinds, because the director said, while the actresses could get the lines out, they were so uncomfortable with the scene. Um, so almost none of them did well with uh, getting the callback. And then like with the strippers and the other sex workers, they were totally comfortable with their bodies, could definitely do pull off the scene, but weren't as good with the acting part. Oh, um, yeah, that happens a lot, yeah. I hear sometimes. Yeah, so, and then Linnea Quigley, who was both an actress and just, I guess, really, like, really comfortable with her sexuality, came in and was like, yeah, no, I can do this. But the other girl in that film, not the main girl, um, I forget what her name is. Jewel, maybe? She is. She was a stripper. She also auditioned for the role of Trash, but she got the other role instead. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they, they do that a lot because there are many, many actresses who are just not comfortable with their bodies, which, I mean, is kind of sad to me because you should take pride in your body no matter what it looks like. But also, I mean, I get it. Yeah, if you don't want if you don't want to do a nude scene, you should not have to be. You should not exactly. have to do a nude scene. You know what is hilarious? You think about um, some of the uh, you 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 never you never know who has done a nude scene before, and there have been at least. And I'm a huge fan of the Arrowverse, and there are a lot of actresses on the Arrowverse who have done sexually promiscuous scenes in other films or TV shows, or have done complete nude scenes. <laughs> Barry Allen's daughter, the um, from the future. And Supergirl have, and also um, uh, 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 Sarah Lance's uh, White Canary's girlfriend have all done full frontal nude and sex scenes. Huh. I mean, a lot of times it's a way to get your toes in the water. Right. Well, what's funny is that uh, the actress who plays Supergirl did it after she did Glee, because she was on oh. Glee alongside oh. her alongside the Flash. Oh wow! Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. So she was on uh, Masters of Sex, and she did. A, she has a full frontal nude scene. She has her underwear. She has her panties on, but she has, hmm. she's completely nude. Other than that. Oh wow! Yeah. So, I know that in uh, these scenes, uh, that Carolyn Monroe had nude panties on the whole time. Oh, <laughs> so like the scene in the barn where she has sex with Captain Kronos. Okay, that's interesting. So um, I also wanted to touch briefly on the Captain Kronos comic books, which came out from Titan um, in 2017. And I really recommend picking them up. I, I believe they have been collected in trade paperback. Uh, Tom Mandrake was the artist on him. Uh, sorry, on them. And Tom Mandrake, um, I had met at a Comic-Con this past year. I think I met him at the Rhode Island Comic-Con. These... Captain Kronos comic books were highly praised and reviewed. Yes, they are collected in trade paperback, actually. And oh, cool. uh, they do follow the story of Captain Kronos. Again, there's a missing chapter somewhere in there. As At the end of this movie, they leave Carolyn Monroe's character behind. But at the beginning of this, she's like a vampire hunter now. So they went back and picked her up. It's, it's really weird. Uh, it was a four-issue miniseries. I absolutely adore the the cover's interior uh, art by Tom Mandrake. However, I picked up the four uh, covers with uh, photo covers with Karen Monroe, Monroe on them. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so I immediately had to have those covers. Um, and then there's also a Kronos novel by Guy Adams, which I have ordered a copy of. Uh, it did not arrive in time for us to record this podcast, but it came out in 2000 and. 14 is a new novelization of the cult classic hammer film captain chronos vampire hunter with a new forward by its writer and director brian clemens 
Um, oh. And it's on Goodreads. Uh, you can buy it on Kindle for $7 or buy the paperback, which is $10. So it's still in print. The comic books are not in print anymore, but the trade paperback is still easily available to find uh, on Kindle or, uh, you know, regular through Titan's website. That's awesome. They put out one other comic book based on a Hammer property, uh, The Mummy, connected to the Hammer films. But it, oh. it came out in time for the revamp of The Mummy starring uh, Tom Cruise, which was a big box office failure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm. The man who is the bartender is uh, a longtime staple of 1970s and 80s movies, including having appeared in The Empire Strikes Back and Superman the Movie. No shit. Yeah. A lot of British actors, of course, were in The Empire Strikes Back, Star Wars, Return of the Jedi, the Superman movies, because those were all filmed in uh, London, as well as the James uh, Bond movies. That's why we get a lot of crossover with some of these actors having appeared in, you know, various uh, various things. Yeah. Now, the woman in bed, do you think that's the same woman that eventually shows up at the end of the movie, or do you think it's like a different actress, or do you think it's just like a dummy? Uh, that's a great question. I think because they went to the trouble of making that mask, it could be... Uh, it could be her wearing that mask because the the mouth never moves. One thing I don't understand is why doesn't Carolyn Monroe's character get better clothes? <laughs> I know. I was thinking that the whole movie. And like, girl, you're in town the whole time. You guys have time to like, there's several. Yeah, I had that same thought. I was like, there's like a scene where you're washing. There's a, tons of scenes where they're overnight and she's still in these shit clothes i yeah i had that same thought do you think captain chronos is uh the type of kink you would enjoy because man does he abuse carolyn in this movie but she enjoys it i mean there's a there's oh, a yeah. mark of blood on her cheek or whatever that she he clearly caused by biting her mm -hmm. i saw that and I was, she was just like oh you're just being a little rough with me. I was like, ah yeah, I thought that was pretty interesting. I liked that. There's a lot of shots in this movie that make it look like Sarah is the vampire. Did you notice that? Yeah, and I thought, I actually have my notes. Like, uh, I knew I couldn't trust this bitch because I was like, the line when Marcus is like, Sarah, you look younger than ever. And Sarah's like, well, I'll never be an old crone. I won't. And then it has her with like her little cloak on. I was like, this bitch. But the movie totally is like, no, mm-mm. We unfortunately lose Marcus uh, as he succumbs to his vampirism, but he uh, doesn't want to fully become a vampire. So he helps Captain Kronos uh, take his own life with impaling himself on a crucifix. Yeah, after failed staking at the heart and failed hanging. What's something you notice that they never show of either... Um... Carolyn, even when she's fully naked, or uh, um, our hero, when he is uh, dis uh, without his shirt on, what part of their anatomy is never seen? Nipples? No. I don't know. Will we see his nipples? Oh, belly button? Belly button. His pants yeah. are hiked up past his belly button. Yeah. Again, the belly button is very taboo. If you remember I Dream with Jeannie, Jeannie was not allowed to show her belly button. Oh, yeah. I don't understand why they think the belly button was supposed to be so taboo. That's the umbilical cord that you're attached to when you're in the womb. It's your feeding tube. I don't get it. I don't think there's anything sexual about the belly button. I, I never did. I find a flat belly to be sexy, of course. Duh. I mean, have you seen yours? But, <laughs> but I don't find the belly button to be sexy. I just, I don't. I'm sorry, but that's the thing that was attached to your mother's innards. The... the <laughs> I mean, whatever you know what i mean oh yeah i mean there are people who i think have 
like objectively like a, there's like nice looking belly buttons sure 100 percent agree i'm one of those people too who i just don't think the human body is inherently sexual unless it's doing something sexual in nature there was a TV series back in the early 2000s called Kyle XY. Uh, the kid didn't have a belly button. The poster for the ad has the kid lifting his shirt up, showing his, you know, washboard abs, but he has no belly button. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, you come to find out, like, in season two, he's the clone of some, like, millionaire. Um, I never got to finish season two, but I really enjoyed season one because basically he's a kid wandering the streets or whatever, no ID, no identification, you know, no identification. He's completely naked. They don't know who he is. And like the social worker who pick, who, who, um, helps him ends up taking him in. Um, and that's when they start discovering he's got like supernatural abilities. Oh, that's interesting. And there's a mystery man following them around played by Lee, Lee, uh, I think his name's Lee Thompson. He was best known for playing Crycheck on the X-Files. Uh, oh, yeah. And he will come to find out he's actually working for the millionaire who created Kyle and trying <laughs> to save him from this evil government organization. So uh, just a little tangent about weird belly button shit. They think that the... Okay, so they also uh, put the um, the belief that the crippled guy could also be the vampire and that he's playing up his uh, disability to throw people off, kind of like a certain serial killer in The Usual Suspects. Oh, yeah, I actually... I actually didn't even think about that. I I disliked him so much. I was like, oh, he's cool. And then he <laughs> dies. He's nice. And then he dies. I do love the ceremony that they create. Um, the, he creates the... Gross creates a brand new sword for Kronos. And it's kind of badass, the whole ceremony behind it. Oh, man. It was so awesome. I mean, he, like, smiths a brand new sword. Exactly. Kronos dashes after the suspect and finds the dead cripple, and then so he, the cripple is off the list. Sarah is at the grave of her parents, and Kronos is there as well. Sarah's brother does not like uh, his sister talking with other people, which again alludes to the incestuousness of it all. Mm-hmm. Well, and then they have that line like, you know, our bloodline is pure. Yeah. And, yeah. And I was like, ooh. Yeah, Ugh. I'm sorry, but that that ideal that ideology went out a long time ago when we started getting less into religion and more into science and discovering that yeah, you bang your sister, you're gonna create some mutant nasty offspring. It just makes me think of the McPoyles from It's Always Sunny and their their interesting family of freaks. He uses <laughs> um he uses Carla as uh, Carolyn's character Carla as a bait, and she's willing to accept accept it. Carolyn Monroe's character, Carla, is not your typical damsel in distress whatsoever in this movie. She goes along with this because she is in love with Captain Kronos. Even though Kronos is putting her in danger, and of course Gross points that out to Kronos, that he's being kind of an asshole by putting this woman who clearly loves him in danger, but he won't hear of it. Um, you know, she will do what she... Uh, if she wants to tag along, she's going to do what she's told. And she goes along with it. But that's kind of interesting that she is not your typical damsel in distress. Yeah, I had mixed feelings about her character. So, like, half of me was, like, I love her, and I love that she's just here to get some dick and, like, be along for the ride. I respect that. Uh, But the other half of me was, like, she's so fucking boring, and she doesn't say fucking shit, and then she does one thing in the whole film, and then she gets the short end of the stick and gets left. I, like, I had a lot of mixed feelings about it. Like, she's interesting in that her personality is different. Like, she's a little more 
oh, what's the word? She's just like, she's not so girly girly. She's a little more rough and tumble, but she doesn't do anything but fuck Kronos the whole movie. And I get that. I totally get it. Sometimes the D is just that good. But also, it just got really boring to me after a while. I was like, please do something. So it's revealed that the father is the vampire? He, they're both are, maybe? Yeah, uh, the mother, the father, they're kind of the vampires, they're using their children. They also have to point out that the last names of, okay, I don't understand why they came up with the last names they did for these characters. Cars Dean is the name of the twins and the mother and the father. However, there is an entire vampire film series we will get to that consists of the vampires lovers, twins of evil, and um, Countess Dracula, which are the Karstein trilogy. Why would they yes. like have I, again, whoever comes up with the names and hammers or whatever has their <laughs> just is not paying attention to previous continuities with characters with similar names because we've had Paul a dozen times and we have <laughs> Cars Dean and Karstein. Yeah, I was unsure if they were uh, referencing the fact that maybe she is Carmilla. Uh, I don't know. It just seems like we don't need to have two names so similar to each other from two different film series because a lot of people think that Kronos is part of the Karstein saga. But no, again, that's Twins of Evil, The Vampire Lovers, and Countess Dracula. Right. Which star Ingrid Pitt. By the way, this fight scene between uh, Kronos and the father goes on for four minutes from the when it begins to when he dies. Oh when they unsheath their sword to when he dies on the floor... The sword fight is four minutes long, and uh, that's really damn good because most fight scenes in movies are like a minute, maybe, mm-hmm. with the exception of maybe the Star Wars movies definitely have long fight scenes. I mean, if you cut out the scenes with uh, uh, Leia, Han, and Chewie, sorry, Leia, Leia, Chewie, and Lando trying to rescue Han, Luke's lightsaber fight with his father goes on for a lot, a long time, but they don't use their lightsabers the entire time. Unlike their mm-hmm. fight scene in The Return of the Jedi, or let's say his father's fight scene with Obi-Wan Kenobi in The Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. Uh, I, I actually really liked this fight scene because I didn't, it looked like uh, the choreography was really well done. Right. And there wasn't a ton of, uh, a ton of cuts. So it looked like both actors actually had some experience in stage combat. Um, and that's always enjoyable to me. So are, I liked it. And you are a hundred percent correct. These are both actors doing this fight scene. They are not using body doubles. Dope. Um, that's awesome. Now Kronos using his sword to reflect on her, her reflection kind of reminds me of a certain Greek mythology story. Yeah. I was like, Oh, we go in Medusa. <laughs> yes. And the, uh, I think it was Perseus, right? That did that to Medusa. They, uh, the, the commentator for the Blu-ray calls it an Errol Flynn style fight scene, which was what the director wanted to go for. And Errol Flynn was famous for these fight scenes back in the forties and fifties in uh, films such as Robin Hood. Hmm. Other films that have swashbuckling heroes include night creatures, pirates of blood river, uh, which are also hammer movies. Oh, cool. And then uh, they pack up and leave after the bad guys all crumbled to dust or like in the most disgusting way possible. This is, this is, this is, let me start over. Can you name two directors? And we've already talked about one of them, kinda, who have referenced Hammer movies as being one of their favorite film series. This film in particular, for one, 
but the way vampires die in general and why he had to change it for his own creation of vampires. What two directors would I be talking about? Oh, shit. <laughs> uh, off the top of my head, I really don't remember. Joss Whedon, creator of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and the director of the first two Avenger Marvel films, said that uh, he didn't want to see a pretty blonde girl going around stabbing people in the chest and wanted to turn them into monsters. However, he also had to do something for the Censors Bureau so that it wasn't rotting corpses like in Hammer movies, so he had to have them, like, pamp into dust immediately. Oh! And Quentin Tarantino has cited... Uh, Captain Chrono's Vampire Hunter as his favorite Hammer film. Yeah, I heard, I saw that, and it's um, it definitely comes through in some of his work. I'm a huge fan of Tarantino, um, and you can kind of get some of the some of the vibes from it that you, you can tell on. he was influenced. Stop! Stop! What are you? Are you playing with something? Oh yeah, sorry. Okay. <laughs> okay. Right. So uh, pa yeah, but I, pa hold on, hold on. Pause real quick so I know where to edit all this out and just repeat what you just said, please. Yeah, uh, I actually did read that too, and I'm a really big fan of Tarantino. I definitely can see the influence, um, kind of like in the the tone of a lot of his stuff, especially kind of like the Western stuff that he does, because it reminds me of that. I, I see it. The composer for Captain Chrono's Vampire Hunter went on to work on, have a really long career, which I I can assume he is still alive today. He was born in 1927, but he has no death on IMDb listed. But he did seem to retire in 2002. What was the name of his final production that he worked on? And you will never believe it, because I'm going to pull up the music for it. Oh, I don't know. Think of a cartoon that was popular in the early 2000s. Well, that's a lot. Are you ready, kids? I can't hear you! Bye -bye, oh! Who lives in a pineapple under the sea? SpongeBob SquarePants! and yellow and porous is he? SpongeBob SquarePants! I cannot believe that. <laughs> From Captain Chrono's Vampire Hunter and other Hammer films to children's cartoons, he's also worked <laughs> on. Uh, the Avengers, the aforementioned Avengers television series, not the uh, movies, as well as CSI, CSI the new, oh, CI5, C oh wait, I'm sorry, CI5, I don't know what that is, CI5 the new professionals, <laughs> um, but yeah, his career goes all the way back to 1957, but uh, yeah, so I don't know, maybe they used music that he has composed in SpongeBob SquarePants, but it says that he is on eight episodes of SpongeBob SquarePants as composer of additional music. Holy shit, yeah, I'm seeing that he is 93 years old. Jeez. Again, having some of these people on the podcast would be great, but I, I just don't think we'd be able to get a hold of them. You know, a lot of times I try to get yeah. elderly guests on the podcast. I get a lot of times from their reps that they don't they don't hear very well. Uh, they uh, don't know how to use modern technology. It's like uh, if you can call them on the phone, that's fine. But then cell phones sound terrible. I mean, I had Julia Adams. If you're not familiar with Julia Adams, she is the female, uh, the only female really from the creature from the Black Lagoon. Mm -hmm. And her son set up the interview for me, and it was fantastic. And she passed away earlier, uh, sorry, last year. And uh, But I had her on the show in 2015, and the biggest complaint people have is, again, the audio. 
And sure. the reason why is because she doesn't use Skype. She doesn't use Facebook chat or Google chat or anything like that. Zoom wasn't even invented yet, or if it was, nobody knew about it. And I had to do it on the phone. And she had a, she doesn't have a modern day cell phone. She has like a flip phone or she had to do it oh. on her house phone. And it sounds like we're in a tunnel the entire time we're talking. And oh, it's just, man. I always have to explain to people that she, we could not do it over Skype. It had to be done over the phone. I did the best with what I had. Yeah. And I don't, want to always kind of repeat that with elderly guests sometimes that don't use modern technology and by elderly i mean like in their 90s or 80s you know what i mean i've had guests mm-hmm. on that are in their 60s and they and they they use skype and perfectly fine our our guest that uh was on their previous episode ted is in his 60s and he used skype but even he had some problems so um it's it's just also a matter of the time difference a lot of these actors live in england so it's not right. very easy but uh, that's all the notes I have here for Captain Chrono's Vampire Hunter. I wanted to, of course, go over the music a little bit. Again, the Blu-ray um, is a fantastic get if you can get it. Uh, it actually has a commentary on there with Carolyn Monroe and the director and a film historian. Um, and then it has a uh, the new commentary with the film historian. And then it has um, also a look at the 1970s Hammer horror movie uh, films of the time period and the trailer. And the original DVD release only has the trailer and the uh, commentary with the director and Carolyn Moreau. That's awesome. <coughs> oh, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> I had only I only wanted to touch on one more thing. Um, this whole film, I was trying to figure out what he is a captain of considering they reference a war over and over and over and i'm pretty like i'm fairly not knowledgeable about uh historical fashion considering this is supposed to take place in britain and the early 1800s based on what other people are wearing i thought they said it was the early um i thought it was the late 19th century it's, I've got 1830s-ish. Oh, okay. It could be it could be like mid. But I mean, based on like the tricorn hat, the type of coat he's wearing. The I clothes that everyone is smoking. Did you notice yeah. that everyone smokes like what looks like? It appears to be clothes, but someone told me that those were cigars at the time. Okay. I just, he said, um, what, I had a quote for him. He said, oh, an old Chinese herb was what he said he was smoking. Oh, okay. That might also be it as well, because I had to ask somebody with photos from the film that I could find of what the hell they were smoking. Yeah. Uh, and I was trying to, like, what the fuck war are we talking about? I mean, I, d- I don't Maybe know. Maybe but... the Captain Kronos novel happens to go into that explanation, and when I find out, I oh. will uh, put it into the show notes. Sweet, because I even tried to google like his uniform and i think it's just like a random prop that looks really pretty because british people wear red and his uniform is primarily blue unless he was navy he could be navy but i don't know he so is the, i would love to find out <laughs> he is the best dressed hero in the entire movie oh yeah it's amazing i was just like because it was so amazing i was like what the hell is he i was like i've never i don't recognize this coat i'm pretty good with my 1800s british coats i watch a lot of historical films and i was like what is this (laughs) so i would love to know when you find out let me know we'll go over the boobs blood and badass for the film the boobs of course go to carolyn monroe she's smoking hot
Absolutely. The blood in the movie, it's kind of all over the place, but this is very light on that in this film. The exception of... So I got to give it to maybe Marcus's uh, death scene because that kind of sucks. Yeah. Um, And the badass, of course, is the title character, Captain Kronos, who's just like awesome with the two swords and the way he... Uh, the way he defends that uh, the uh, the the bar whore's honor by decapitating all those SOBs in the bar. Oh yeah, and the fact that he sticks up for his sidekick Grost, who is this hunchback, and uh, you know, not your typical sidekick kind of character. So that's kind of interesting. But he is loyal to Captain Kronos through and through. He's very much his Alfred. Oh yeah, or like his uh, Watson. Right, right. A uh, couple things related to Captain Kronos or at least Hammer or bad movies or any kind of films in general that I just got in the mail I wanted to uh, mention real quick I got in uh, today uh, it just came out last week Elvira, Mistress of the Dark the HD Collector's Edition on Blu-ray from Arrow, single disc but 4K transfer of the movie two commentaries and loaded with bonus material a lot of which was supposed to have been released in 2018 when the original Blu-ray got cancelled I can't wait to watch it it's it's fantastic Um, and also Master of Dark Shadows the gothic world of Dan Curtis Dan Curtis was the creator of Dark Shadows he was also responsible for the creation of Kolchak the Night Stalker the TV series or the the movies the for TV movies as well as several other productions that he's worked on but this is a uh, documentary about the life of Dan Curtis that's awesome. It is. And it's got a beautiful artsy style cover to the uh, the Blu-ray, which um, I this came out like a year ago, and I've been waiting for it to come down in price a little bit to pick up. But uh, yeah, this is all about how he created uh, uh, several of uh, icons on television uh, for this, uh, as well as uh, Remembrance and the Winds of War. Uh, War Ooh. Remembrance and the Winds of War, as well as Burnt Offerings, Trilogy of Terror, and as I said, uh, the Night Stalker, starring Darren McGavin. Um, which, if you go over to the Radio Horror YouTube channel, by the time this episode is posted, you can check out an interview I did with the man who wrote the companion to the Night Stalker uh, TV series, starring Darren McGavin, which is one of my favorite television shows of all time. That's awesome. What do you got coming up? In quarantine, row. Hopefully at the time that we have posted this, we might not be in quarantine anymore. We will have to wait and see. Well, based on how my state is doing, uh, probably going to be going into a second lockdown. I wouldn't be surprised. Oh, um, because of all the stupidity of opening the fucking beaches? Oh, yeah. They pretty much op- they opened the restaurants on Monday. So oh, great. Not, not holding on my hope. I'm staying in my house. Those are my plans. Yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> Unbelievable stupidity. Yep. If you'd like to check out other episodes we've done, you can go to the Dorkening Network website, click on the Boobs, Blood, and Badasses Hammer Power Podcast. At the time of this is posted, if you had listened to... What episode are we doing tomorrow? Are we doing Taste yes. tomorrow? So, okay. so if you're listening to this, the time that this has been posted, the time we're recording this, it is uh, May 7th. Uh, there are some problems, apparently, with the Taste of Blood of Dracula audio. And after listening to it, there are some serious problems with it. I cannot believe I let that audio be posted the way it was. Maybe something happened when it got posted. Maybe I posted the wrong file. 
But hopefully at the time that you're listening to this episode of Boobs, Blood, and Badasses, Captain Kronos, the new episode, the redo episode of Taste the Blood will be posted, so there will be no problems. Hopefully you enjoy it. For the person who left us that one-star rating on iTunes, I don't understand why you waited to post a rating for a bad fucking episode and you could have posted a rating when you started liking it to begin with it's the way it's worded is like i have been listening to this podcast for a while and i just basically decided to post a shitty review to fuck you because i didn't like what i was hearing but i could have posted a good review the first time i listened to it (laughs) yeah doesn't make a lot of sense i certainly get my fair share of interesting comments do you have that email handy I wanted to read oh. that. You know, honestly, I think I do. Uh, let me just... Whoops. I have like 500 tabs open. So I might delete the entire thing of trolling the troll just to read the good email. Oh, yeah. That's a good idea. Because that was a good... That was that was something I wish they had posted on iTunes. <laughs> yeah, that was really nice. It's like, no, post this on iTunes. I appreciate the email, but post this on iTunes. <laughs> <laughs> We do have some good comments on iTunes now. And to end the show on a high note, Ro has an email that was sent to us. I do. It was so super nice to get this email. So it starts with, I'm getting in touch to pass on some feedback for your boobs, blood, and badasses uh, podcast. I was thrilled to discover that there was a new Hammer podcast and even happier to find that you have a fun and knowledgeable female co-host. Aw. <laughs> Ro is brilliant, as are you. The world needs more smart women out there to talk about Hammer films. That is so, so pleasant. <laughs> you both bring a lively, refreshingly irreverent, and always enjoyable perspective to these classes. classics. I love your rapport and decision to begin by tracing the Hammer Dracula series. Like many of us, you and Ro often speculate on the continuity, or lack thereof, between the Dracula films despairing that they so often just don't join together. So to that end, I've attached an infographic, which I produced for my book, Infographic, an Authorized Graphic Guide to Hammer Horror. I wanted to attempt a coherent timeline, but as you'll see, or as you see, was only slightly successful in parts, with a lot of conjecture on my part. The graphic is not intended to be in any way definitive, it's simply my own take. Please keep up the great work. I thoroughly look forward to following you both as you continue your journey through the Hammerverse. Best wishes from New Zealand, Alistair Hughes. And we will go over that timeline when we start uh, Frankenstein because I was I kind of breezed through it a little bit and it it it's it's it'd be very helpful for Frankenstein as we have just ended Dracula. So I like what he came up with for it. So we'll go over that in the next episode, which we will be going back into the Frankenstein. Uh, saga of the Hammer films, and uh, we're going to have a couple guests on for that as well coming up. Um, there's a lot of Frankenstein films that just got released from Scream Factory, so go to their website to check out those uh, Blu-ray releases. If you would like to send us an email, you can at thatradiohorror at gmail.com, or you can find us on our individual Twitters at ChrisDSAV. And you can find me at Ro Lauren, and that's R-O-L-0-R-E-N on both Twitter and Instagram. And we'll be back in a few weeks with the next exciting episode of Boobs, Blood, and Badasses, the Hammer Horror Podcast. Thanks, guys. <laughs>